You're listening to TalkZone.com, Internet Talk Radio. TalkZone.com This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Investors still feel battered and bruised from the past few years. This week, some timeless wisdom for your retirement account from the most legendary mutual fund guru in history. Don't peak. If you do that for 10, 25, or 50 years, and you open that final statement, now I'm at retirement, you will not believe the fortune you have accumulated. <laughs> then, are today's prisons nothing more than monster factories? We talk to an expert who has found that some criminals really can turn their lives around thanks to some tough love. We are unintentionally creating more monstrous behaving men and women by not making it a place for change and accountability in the best sense of the concept. Those stories and more are coming up on this edition of InfoTrack. The show gets underway in just a moment. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. What does your financial future look like? We can all use some words of wisdom these days, so InfoTrack's Chris Whitting tracked down one of the most respected minds in the financial world. Chris? Thanks, Roy. If you're looking for some timeless advice on investing, our next guest has the answers. He's John Bogle, the man who founded the Vanguard Group back in 1974 and who also created the world's first index mutual fund. Today, Vanguard's one of the largest mutual fund companies in the world, and Mr. Bogle's also a best-selling author. His latest work is the 10th anniversary edition of Common Sense on Mutual Funds. Welcome to the show. It's great to be with you, Chris. You state in your book there are seasons in the financial markets, just as there are in nature. Given the economic upheaval we've been seeing lately, is now a good time for investors to take a long-term view of things? Well, absolutely it is. I mean, you can envision it pretty easily in seasonal terms, although we never sure exactly when the seasons are coming, unlike nature, where they come as predictably as the night following the day. Investment seasons are not quite so predictable. Clearly, you're an advocate of index mutual funds, and those allow an investor to invest in, for example, 500 stocks. But companies offer all sorts of different mutual funds. How's an investor to know what's best for them? Well, certainly every investor, in my opinion, deeply held, should start with an index fund. Start with a bond index fund and a stock index fund, weighted according. And I like to think of more and more in the bond index fund as you get older more and more in the stock index fund as you're younger, just U.S. stocks and U.S. bonds. That's the way to start. And as you learn to accept the fluctuations in these two markets, sometimes wide in the stock market, generally more moderate in the bond market, but the bond market is producing income through all this at a much higher rate than stocks, think about it as a very simple thing, you know, for a typical person in their 20s, probably 80% stocks, 20% bonds for a person in their 80s probably as little as 20% stocks and 80% bonds. That's just a crude rule of thumb. The bond position equal to your age is sort of a rough starting point to think about all this. And then you're just getting the market return. There are no surprises other than the market will wend its own way up and down, both markets, in fact. And that's the way to look at it. I think the best start is the index fund. And then if you're interested in going beyond that, you know, maybe take 5 or 10% of your assets and see what it's like. What would you say the biggest mistake is that investors make? First, they 
chase performance. They look back and think if a fund has done well, it will do well. And the fact is it's crystal clear, both from the data a decade ago and the past decade, that same pattern repeated itself identically, that the top funds, top quartile, top 25% of the funds drop about 2.5 percentage points a year in return. The bottom quartile rises about 2.5% a year in return. The second quartile in performance drops about 1% in return, and the third quartile rises by 1%. The symmetry is stunning. So don't chase returns is number one. Number two, in an investment lifetime, we change too many things. And mutual funds go through managers. Each manager runs a mutual fund for about four years. So if you're investing for a lifetime, that means you have approximately 12 managers if you own one mutual fund, 24 managers if you own two, and 36 managers if you own three. That's just a bad joke to think (laughs) that you can pick 36 managers. I mean, it's ridiculous. Go away where you don't have to worry about management changes, and that's primarily the index way. And the third, there are actually more, but the third really major thing is look out for costs because costs eat you up in the long run. In the short run, the difference between a quarter of 1% cost or two-tenths of 1% annual cost and 1.5% doesn't look like much. It reduces your return by whatever that difference would be, 1.3% a year. But over an investment lifetime, repeated year after year, that deficit of over 1% a year costs you, believe this or not, about 75% of your final capital. It's unbelievable. Wow. Just have your listeners go out and say compound a dollar at 8%. And then compound a dollar at, let's say, a six and a half percent. And you'll see the difference. Six and a half percent produces only about a quarter to a third as much return. Wow. So watch out for cost. Don't pay sales loads and go the simple route and you'll do fine. Don't get carried away. Don't let your emotions defeat you. Don't think you're smarter than the market. Nobody is. Those kind of simple things. The problem with it is it isn't easy. In terms of unforeseen things that can happen, you have a chapter on taxes in your book. And, you know, there are other factors out there, such as inflation, unfunded mandates, the national debt. What advice do you have for somebody? What can they do about those sorts of things? Can they protect themselves? Well, there are various ways to try and protect yourself. In terms of inflation, the protection is pretty clear and pretty obvious. And as you can buy a 10-year or a 20-year or 30-year treasury bond, which is hedged against inflation. So while it's only going to be paying you maybe 1% at the outset, if the inflation is 3%, you'll eventually get 4% a year, year after year, whatever the inflation rate is that goes up. So that's really pretty much a guarantee that you'll be able to keep up with inflation. And the problem with that is that the stock market may do much better than that. 1% is a very low yield to start, and there's no free lunch in this business. So my idea is the best way to protect yourselves against the incredible uncertainties out there, and they are, the ones you listed, Chris, are just almost beyond contemplation, and that is some high-quality stocks, some high-quality bonds, including U.S. Treasury bonds and high-grade corporate bonds, or for that matter, good municipal bonds or bond funds that are very diversified, and kind of keep your fingers crossed. There aren't any guarantees, and I'm fond of telling people that while we can guess at the probabilities, in other words, I think it's a very high probability that stocks will do better than bonds in the coming decade. A very high probability, but not a certainty. You say to yourself, it's not just probabilities, it's consequences. If your guess at the probabilities is wrong, what are the consequences for you? So you want to be conservative so those consequences won't be disastrous. We're talking with John C. Bogle, author of Common Sense on Mutual Funds, and he's also the founder of the Vanguard Group, 
What are your thoughts on investing in U.S. companies versus international investing? Well, I've been a believer that you really don't need to have, and it's not mandatory to have international investments, in part because the U.S., large U.S. companies are international investments. I mean, IBM is all over the world. Microsoft is all over the world. General Motors is beleaguered here in the U.S., but making money hand over fist in Germany. And McDonald's is all over the world. We have a global economy now, so I don't think America is going to get beaten in the world markets. So I don't think you need international stocks. Just about every living investor in the world totally disagrees with me on that. So you'll have to take your choice, but sometimes the crowd is always wrong, too. But I think if you stick with U.S., that's a perfectly sound decision on your stock side, your equity side. But if you want to introduce international, I think maybe up to 20% of your equity portfolio, maybe 10% in developed countries. Although one has to wonder a little bit about France and Italy and Greece and Spain and Portugal and England. That's the backbone of the developed world. And maybe the other 10% in emerging markets, which have done very, very well recently, did very, very badly in the bear market. when They went down 55 or 60% compared to 35% in the U.S., and it's going to be a, a world that's much less predictable. So I'd say acres of diamonds are usually found in your own backyard. You've given us so much advice here. Any last thoughts? I guess I have one last thought, and that is once you put your program together, stick to it assiduously. If the market is down, don't stop investing in the common section. Now, I don't happen to believe you can, you're smart enough to increase your investments in equities, but keep investing in equities through thick and thin. And then the big thing to do is don't peek. Don't look at your statements. Throw them all into the wastebasket the moment you get them. <laughs> and believe me, if you do that for 10, for 25, or 50 years, and you open that final statement, now I'm at retirement date, how much is it worth? You will not believe the fortune you have accumulated. The book is Common Sense on Mutual Funds. It's a fully updated 10th anniversary edition. John C. Bogle is the author and, of course, founder of the Vanguard Group. And you can uh, visit his website, johncbogle.com. Mr. Bogle, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to be with you, Chris. Thank you, and good luck to your listeners. And for InfoTrack, I'm Chris Whitty. Is it worthwhile trying to rehabilitate violent criminals, or should we throw away the key? An eye-opening interview is up next. You're listening to InfoTrack. More after this.